Welcome in to the podcast for all fans of the best basketball league in the world. For the next 24 minutes, everything you need to know about the NBA is given to you in the simplest of ways, straight to the point. No overloads of stats or articles, just telling it like it is so that even a non-NBA fan becomes a fanatic. So get ready. Warm-ups just ended, and the possession arrow belongs to... It goes to me, episode two, Electric Boogaloo. You know, the weird thing about a podcast, right, is that obviously I've never done one before. This is my first ever attempt at a podcast and a good one at that. I guess that's ultimately your decision. But that first episode, you got to work out the kinks. You got to find what you like. You got to find how you want to do the show, what you want to talk about, how you want to get excited about things, how you want to plug comedy, a la Draymond Green. If you haven't listened to the Eastern Conference preview, that is also on this page if you go and search for it but don't go away we're going to preview the west right now and there's a lot more to talk about in the western conference i think than there is the eastern conference not to say that the eastern conference doesn't have its talking points in fact one of them is so interesting i put it in this show for a brief period but for now we're going to talk about the west because naturally you got to complete the cycle and why not start like we did with the eastern conference preview who won the west in 2020 Crossing it over here to the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, how do you not talk about them when you want to start the conversation about the Western Conference? It is easy, and it is natural, and there's a reason for that. What's the biggest one? They only got better. They only got better. But where? That's the key. I talked about how in the last preview, how the Miami Heat didn't get better where they needed to get better, right? They didn't get much size. I mean, they got Precious Achua. But he's a rookie, and I don't even know how much he's going to play. I talked about how the Boston Celtics got better where they needed to get better, therefore me picking them, spoiler, if you haven't listened to the Eastern Conference preview already, to win the East this upcoming season. But in the Lakers' case, they've added guys like Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell, just to name a few, Mark Gasol. Where did the Lakers need to get better from an already championship-caliber team? The real answer was shooting. They needed shooters around the playmakers that they had in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, ultimately, last year, it didn't end up costing them, right? It didn't end up costing them at all because they won the championship. They got the grand prize. So the question is, Ed, do they really, did they need to get better, right? And to be truthful with you, honestly, no, they didn't. Because the thing about it is, Nobody else got so much better, in my eyes, to dethrone them, right? I talked about how the Heat, I don't even know if they're going to make it back to the NBA Finals. I don't think they will. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets, they have Kevin Durant now again, but he's got to make it through this, As even though it's a shortened season, he's still got to make it through it all the way through without getting injured. And like I said, Kyrie Irving is the human definition of a team cancer. So what's the threat to the Lakers not making it back, I'll tell you, I don't think there is one. And I know that's not interesting, but that's the case that we have now because, you know, when LeBron and Anthony Davis first paired up in Los Angeles, I can honestly say I didn't think it was going to work to the extent that it did. And to the extent it did was a championship. I didn't think they'd win the title. And that's not to degrade the value and the greatness of both of those players. The reason why was everything else around it, 
right? They didn't have a point guard. They didn't have a shooting guard. They didn't have shooting in general. And then you saw the step-up performances. It was streaky at best, but you saw them from guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Rajon Rondo was a big part of the championship squad. And Dwight Howard, surprisingly, came out of nowhere to be a noteworthy player in the NBA postseason bubble. Those were some of the key factors in the Lakers' success last year. Some of those guys are gone. I don't think it hurts that much. You know, Montrez Harrell, I think, is an upgrade from Dwight Howard. Dennis Schroeder is an upgrade from Rajon Rondo. Not by a ton, though. Not by much. I've always been a big Rondo guy, but I go back and forth with Dennis Schroeder and Rajon Rondo, who might be better for the Lakers' offense specifically. But with how valuable LeBron can play that point guard position, Dennis Schroeder probably plays off LeBron better. So that that makes sense to me. But going back to the point where I said, where did the Lakers need to get better, right? They needed shooting alongside those playmakers. Did they get that? Not really. They didn't really get that. Now, do they need it? That I don't know. That is yet to be seen. Plus, I don't doubt... LeBron's stamina, I don't doubt Anthony Davis's stamina, but the rest of the team, they got that rest, as I mentioned in the last podcast episode, that maybe propelled them to play a little better. Maybe Contavious Caldwell-Pope doesn't play as well if he has all that time off, right? I know everybody else did, but it's those streaky performance players that are ultimately going to be what the Lakers need to get back-to-back titles. Because I've seen it once, I can trust it. That's why I'm going to pick them to win the West. I'm going to talk about some other teams that maybe could give them some issues to get there, but I'm going to spoil this episode now about six minutes in. I think the Lakers go back-to-back, at least representing the West. We'll talk more about the finals as we get closer and as the season progresses because it's too early to tell, I think, for an actual finals prediction, like set in stone. But I think the Lakers are set in stone going to represent the West again. And it doesn't take a genius to know why, right? The Clippers only got worse by losing their head coach and the sixth man of the year candidate to the crosstown rival nonetheless. Teams like the Denver Nuggets, I'm going to get into them here in a second, but you saw they were down 3-1 anyway. So what does that tell you? Right? How much better do they have to get to not get to the 3-1 situation in the first place? The Lakers dominated their conference to get to the finals. And even though it took them six games in that finals to put it away, they'd still dominated their conference when come playoff time. How much did the bubble have to do with that? Probably somewhat, but I think this team was good enough anyway. I had my doubts about them like I mentioned last year. But now that I've seen it, and I can trust in a guy like LeBron and Anthony Davis in any environment, in any season. It's hard not to pick the Lakers, man. It really is, especially with the talent they've now acquired. Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder will make a difference. Kyle Kuzma apparently, via Twitter, is getting praise from LeBron James, talking about a breakout season from him. You know, he never, he hasn't really reached his full potential that we saw in his first couple of seasons as a Laker and since LeBron got there. So he could emerge for all I know. There's a lot of unknowns with the Lakers, but the things that are known is what's going to get them at least back, at the least, back to the Western Conference Final. 
I don't know what else to tell you. It's as simple as that. But I did mention a few players, a few teams that might get in their way. Let's cross over to them. All right, so like I mentioned, who could possibly trip up the Lakers? Could any of these teams beat the Lakers that I'm about to mention in a seven-game series? If the stars aligned, anything can happen in sports. We've seen that, and the NBA is included in that, absolutely. But the thing is, is that those stars have to align in the first place, right? And I'm not saying the stars have to align to where LeBron or Anthony Davis has to get hurt. I'm not going to wish that, or I'm not going to predict that, right? Obviously. But the thing is, is that when I say stars align in the case of the Lakers, it's got to be, are they off as a team? Are they off shooting-wise four times out of seven? We were waiting for it to happen, I think, come the playoffs last year, and it never really did. But can these four teams that I'm about to mention, if that happens, if that exact scenario where the Lakers trip up four times out of seven, these four teams in the Western Conference, I think, could capitalize if given the chance. Let's go through them. The Denver Nuggets. The same team that lost to Los Angeles in the Western Conference Finals last year. Nothing really much has changed about this team. There's one big possible outbreak that I see in this team that could make them a legitimate threat to possibly take a seven-game series, and it would be a seven-game series from the Lakers. That possible outbreak player, Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. wasn't used extensively in the offense last year. It was a whole lot of Jokic, a whole lot of Murray. And that's come to be expected. And that's going to be the exact same way this year. But think about it. What was the big thing that the Nuggets were missing? A star potential player on the wing. Tony Craig? (coughs) Gary Harris? (coughs) Paul Millsap? (coughs) You get the point. Michael Porter Jr. presents an interesting dragon in the sense that We know how highly recruited he was. We know that he had injury problems in in college, but if it wasn't for that in the time that he did play, the short time he did play at college, sort of like Kyrie Irving, we saw the flashes of the superstar player that he has inside of him. Will it come out? That's why I can't discredit the Nuggets, especially with how young they are too. I think they're built for a complete NBA season. I've talked about stamina so many times and time again, so many times before, and I'll say it again, Stamina is going to be a big part of it. The Nuggets' youth of their big three, per se, I think it could bode well. And uh, I don't see a reason why the Nuggets couldn't at least give the Lakers another series. Dallas Mavericks, this is all about one guy, right? It's Luka Doncic. We've seen this kid take progressive steps from rookie of the year to all-star, all-NBA, but now it's time for him to take the the next step to continually dominate when everybody knows that you're the best player on the floor nine times out of ten in every game you're in. Can you still put up those numbers? Can you put up those numbers night in and night out without injury when you're the guy and honestly, there's not many guys around you? Christoph Porzingis is the second key to Dallas giving the Lakers a series, but... Is he going to step up and elevate his game? 
to a level we've never seen before, honestly, with how long he's been in the league, I don't really see it. I think he's a stellar big. He's an all-star big, and you can use that in a championship roster. But is he a number two to a young guy like Luka still? If Luka steps up, maybe. But if Luka flatlines, and even if he flatlines, he's still an all-star caliber player. But if he doesn't, and he ascends to become a arguable, I think you could argue it now, without a doubt, top three, top two even, player in the league. Anytime you have a top two player in the league, you can challenge a guy like LeBron and whatever team he's on, especially this Laker one. That's why we all picked the Clippers last year, right? We all saw Kawhi as the two next to LeBron after what he did in Toronto. Obviously, that didn't pan out, and I'll get to them later on in hard times. A little preview for that segment. But anytime the, the second best player in the NBA goes up against LeBron James, you're not going to count him out no matter who he is because he's that special to be considered in that upper echelon, that upper tier where the king sits. I think Luka could get there this season, and I think that's why Dallas could give the Lakers a series if given the chance. All right, this one's kind of a stretch. This one's a little bit of a stretch. And even for me, I'm not 100% confident in it, but it's sort of like what I said about the Nets in the last episode. I don't know with them, but I like what I see, sort of. I could see something good here. It's the Phoenix Suns. Yes, I could see the Phoenix Suns giving the Los Angeles Lakers a series. No, 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 no. No, hear me out. Hear me out. I know. I would take the Lakers in that series, too. But... If we're talking about the teams that give the Lakers the best chance of losing a seven-game series, I don't know how you don't put this team in here. Why? Like I said when talking about the Lakers specifically, what don't they have? What do they lack? A consistent shooting threat, a consistent outside perimeter scoring threat. When you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, that doesn't seem to be like much of an issue, and I agree with that. But this team presents an interesting challenge. We saw last year in Oklahoma City, Chris Paul can lead a playoff team. I mean, I'd like to think, and hear me out, I'd like to think that Devin Booker is an upgrade from Lou Dort. And, uh, oh, oh yeah, they got this kid named DeAndre Ayton, who got better last year, who was the number one pick at center. That's a big that could step up, and I think he will. Is he going to slow down Anthony Davis? I don't think so. But could he match him on the stat sheet? Four times out of seven? With Chris Paul leading the way and making that offense better? Hmm? I'm hoping I'm talking you into it because I'm talking myself even further into it. I'm not saying the Suns are going to win the West. I'm not saying the Suns are going to upset the Lakers. But with what I just said, I'm sorry, folks, but I can't tell you how much I like this team, A, and B, I don't know how you can't at least consider them a threat in the West now. Considering what Chris Paul did last year in Oklahoma City, considering what Devin Booker has done his whole career up until this point, and considering that DeAndre Ayton was a big part of the Suns' undefeated record in the bubble and sadly missing the playoffs still, I mean, it's a hole they got themselves into, but still, you saw DeAndre Ayton kind of step up when he needed to. He needs to this year. Chris Paul's on limited time still. I think he still has a good bit left in the tank, at least for this season. DeAndre Ayton, I think, knows he has to step up, and I think he will. 
The Houston Rockets do have a chance to upset the Lakers in a seven-game series. We saw them get manhandled last year in the playoffs. I mean, it's because they had the wrong guy at the point. Even though Russell Westbrook was hurt for half that series, still, we saw what happened when he was healthy. Nothing changed. Someone I do like is John Wall. He can shoot it. He can score from the outside, but that's not his main game. But he also doesn't neglect it either. He also doesn't neglect the outside scoring, and he knows that he can execute from out there. He has a bunch of weapons in his offensive arsenal that he knows how to use, and he's not old and washed up yet. The Houston team is going to play the same, but John Wall can fix that style of basketball a little bit, I think. I think he can make it cleaner. I think he can make it run more like a well-oiled machine and not huck, three, clink, huck, three, clink. I don't think that could happen. And every one of those huck, three, swish, woohoo, And then next thing you know, the Rockets are down by 20 or up by 20 because those clinks sometimes go in. That's the offense of the Houston Rockets. But John Wall, I think, could change it just a little bit. And I'm interested to see if he can do it. And I'm not completely against the idea that the Rockets could be an offensive juggernaut with him and Harden in the backcourt. Hard times and hard times. That's hard time. Woo-wee. I mean, I could put the whole Western Conference in here based on my first segment. Because the Lakers, yeah, they are going to have, they're going to cause the whole Western Conference hard times. But there's three specific instances that I got to go to because I don't think, as I mentioned with those four teams in the prior segment, I don't think that these three teams are going to make it out of their hard times. That's hard time. This one's pretty short. It's Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, they got all those picks. Yeah. They still got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, Danilo Gallinari is a good player. Woo! Two things, two reasons why you're going on hard times. Those picks are in the future. This is the now. This show, this episode is about this season's Western Conference. Oklahoma City Thunder take a dramatic step back. They don't make the playoffs. If Lou Dort is starting for you, or at least getting significant minutes, you're falling on hard times, Oklahoma City. That's hard time. The other side of Los Angeles, the Clippers, little brother, they're going back to where they were. I was as high as could be on the L.A. Clippers, right? What happened? I don't know if I've ever seen a team morale and a team believing in themselves go down by so much than I see with this team, right? There's so much uncertainty. There's so much melodrama and there's a lot of turnover here and I'm not talking about the actual stat Doc Rivers is gone which I think was the right move but still first year head coach you lose a guy like Montrez Harrell which you're not big to begin with right Zubac as much as Kevin Harlan wants to praise him Zubac you cannot (laughs) stop him you can only hope to contain him I don't think the Clippers are going to make it far because of the same reason they didn't make it far last year. They realized that they weren't as good as they actually thought they were, and they played like it. Are they going to make the playoffs? Sure. I think they're still a top eight team in the West, but I could see, unlike last year, 
how they snuck by a team like Dallas without Porzingis, I could see them losing in the first round this year. That's hard time. It was hard. It was a pressure pick. If you didn't take this guy, you were insane. This was the surest thing in the NBA draft in a long, long time. Because I think the Pelicans are going to fall on hard times this year in the West. And, you know, I said it before in, the, in this very episode, and I hate to be like this, but I don't know about Zion Williamson through a whole NBA season. Think about what we saw from this guy. When he's on the floor and healthy, it's very hard to say that he wouldn't be a top 10 player, top five maybe, in the league in the next year and a half, year or so. But the best ability is availability in some cases. I think this is the primary case of that. Think about what Zion Williamson went through in his in his rookie year. And just to say the talent that this guy has, he finished second in rookie of the year voting with all the things I'm about to list. A pandemic cut into the NBA season. He was hurt for the first half of his rookie year. He didn't even play in half of the games of his rookie season. And he was on a minute restriction in the bubble, and he still finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. That tells me how talented this guy is, but it also says, oh, no, this could be bad. Now, we've seen it before where a guy like Joel Embiid or a guy like Ben Simmons can be hurt in their first couple of years and ultimately be superstar players. But the thing is, is that I don't know if Zion's the same way. We've seen seven foot one, two hundred fifty pound centers before, like Joel Embiid. We've seen six foot eight, two hundred thirty, forty pound wing point guards. We've seen that in guys like Ben Simmons. We've never seen a six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound wing slash forward that jumps out the building and uses agility to be effective through the air. We've never seen a guy like Zion Williamson in the NBA before, and there might be a reason for that. Because the guy that was going to be like him had the same problems that he might have. His knees might not be able to handle his own pressure. His body, his entire structure might not be able to handle the way he plays basketball and the way he's played basketball his entire life because he's always dominated. So can he evolve? I don't know if he's going to, at least not this season. So that's why the Pelicans in 2020-2021 NBA season you're falling on hard times. That's hard time. Well, there you have it. That's the outlook for the Western Conference. I know, not a very eventful episode because I kind of spoiled the next 20 minutes or so for you when I said that the Lakers were going to win the West. But can you disagree with me? If you do, Twitter handle at DiorioCookie, D-I-O-R-I-O underscore cookie. Let me know. Let me know what you think. How do you think the West is going to shape out? Till next time, we're going to have NBA basketball, folks, next time we get on here. And I couldn't be more excited. Well, looks like the shot clock has expired. Never miss an episode of Throwing Elbows with me, Eddie D. The NBA podcast by the unlikely NBA guy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast outlets. You can also find today's episode on YouTube. Search Throwing Elbows with Eddie D. Click on the first playlist you see. When the league's in season, so am I, as I'll be putting out new episodes every week of the NBA season. Be sure to come back next time to see what we got coming out of this timeout.